Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada this uh, week. If you would like to send us an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And for all the programming we have available, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit xzbn.net. And on Simul Radio and Simul TV, www.simultv.com. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is the author of the explosive book, UFO Highway. Anthony Sanchez is the founder of Umbra Research, a group dedicated to understanding the hidden aspects and the mysteries behind UFO alien phenomena and the paranormal. Anthony and his team of investigators have visited such locations as Area 51, Dolce, New Mexico, China Lake, in addition to multiple reported UFO crash retrieval sites, most recently Yosemite, California, where he filmed for a broadcast network. He currently works to bring public awareness of underground facilities, alien-human hybrids, Grays and UFOs. Now, during the day, Anthony owns and operates the world's number one paranormal software company for Windows, Ghost Hunt, Ghost Hunter Apps. And his website is www.ufohighway.com. And Anthony, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. Where did your interest in the paranormal UFOs come from? Well... <clears throat> The interest originally was with UFOs and alien abduction phenomena alone. It, it had mm -hmm. nothing to do with the paranormal. Um, in 2012, um, that's when I got involved in the paranormal uh, as a result of the UFO alien uh, research that I had been doing with software. Um, but my story begins back in uh, the 1970s when I was a child and I had uh, numerous UFO sightings and I actually had engagement with what I believe are gray aliens. I saw massive cubes uh, floating in the sky with you know strange uh, lighting systems. And I lived right in, in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, more, uh, I was in, in San Jose, California, mm -hmm. right next to Moffett Field, which is a mountain view, right. surrounded by uh, you know the, the NASA Ames facility. So I wasn't the only one seeing weird things, but I was one of a few having or experiencing, you know, strange, strange events throughout my childhood, which ended up placing me in therapy because nobody believed me. And uh, ultimately for me, that all changed in uh, 1981 when I was coming back from a, uh, a professional baseball game, the San Francisco Giants. I was with my dad, my uncle, and my younger brother, and we were driving by Hangar 1 at Moffett Field. Mm -hmm. and this, this was about 1 o'clock in the morning. And we saw a massive saucer-shaped UFO hovering outside the doors of Hangar 1. And you could see the lights uh, were on inside of Hangar 1, and you could see the silhouettes. 
keep in mind, Hangar 1 is massive. It's one of the biggest hangars in the world. Um, when, con- when conditions are right on the outside, it has its own atmosphere on the inside, and it could rain. It has, it has actually formed precipitation on the inside. That's how big this thing is. Mm. On that night, um, we could see the silhouettes, trucks, people running. Uh, something was going on. And, and that was the night that changed my life because my dad realized that I wasn't lying. I had seen these sort of things. And um, I don't know if I was targeted or for, for what reason, but um, years of therapy uh, culminating to an event with my own father and an uncle. And they saw what I saw. And um, that was very interesting. My life changed at that point. Uh, later on in 1989, uh, I was 19 years old. I was old enough to start driving, go out on my own and take an interest in what it was that was affecting me throughout my childhood. You know, what, what were the things that I was, I was seeing? And I, so I started looking up individuals who could provide me with answers. And just lo and behold, at that time, um, this is when all the Area 51 information was making it, into the, making it out into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had become familiar with the work of um, Norio Hayakawa, who was putting together some of the earliest conferences uh, there in Rachel, Nevada, which is right on the other side of the uh, mountain range of the supposed S-4 facility, which I do actually believe exists. I do believe the Bob Lazar story. And um, I've done a lot of research as a result of my my experience, my personal experiences. And um, it's led me into this dark world of the military industrial complex. I, I'm a software engineer by trade. Um, I spent many years working for Intel Corporation, Hewlett Packard, uh, NEC. I even worked at Netscape when they used to exist. Wow. Uh, all in a software capacity. And uh, I ended up meeting people who participated in projects throughout the Silicon Valley and the military, uh, the various military bases and the contractors, you know, FMC, the Rand Corporation, IBM. I ended up meeting people who were involved in black projects and uh, several of them shared information with me that just changed my life. And that's where my book, UFO Highway, uh, metamorphosized from uh, originally it was going to be about Area 51 and then it turned into something that I had never heard of before, a place that I had never heard of, uh, Dulce, New Mexico. I, I didn't understand the history, the lore, anything behind it. Um, there were stories that had emerged that were on the earliest vestiges of the Internet, but uh, I wasn't privy to them. Not until I met this person who uh, introduced me to someone who claims to have worked there. And that's what the, the Dulce interview is. This, this person said that he worked at an underground facility in northern New Mexico uh, in several locations uh, beneath uh, Mount Orchileta, the Orchileta Mesa, and uh, several several areas uh, in between, underground. Okay. Uh, affili- affiliated uh, to some extent with Los Alamos National Laboratories and, of course, uh, the rest of the, uh, uh, the military uh, out in that area, you know, Kirtland Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's how the the book came about. Uh, the paranormal interest was uh, in 2012. I was at a conference um, in Los Angeles, uh, and a friend of mine, Bill Murphy, who was on a TV show uh, called Fact or Fake Paranormal Files. He was like the science advisor on the show, one of the investigators. Um, he had uh, noticed that I was writing software 
that essentially was scanning uh, radio frequencies. And uh, he said that what I had written, which was for the purposes of, of taking to Area 51 to detect, you know, communications on non-standard, you know, radio frequencies. Well, wouldn't that be what what uh, what uh, Radio Shock came out with years ago called a Bearcat scanner? You know, I actually had a police scanner, uh, a Radio Shack police scanner, which mm -hmm. which went up into some pretty high frequencies. Yeah. And um, and that's kind of what got me interested in this. I said, because remember, I work at Intel Corporation, and mm -hmm. at the time I was doing some software development on this new technology that was emerging called Bluetooth. Right. I said, wow. So we have the industrial, scientific, and medical frequencies. You know, there are 82 uh, with three reserve uh, scannable frequencies. Now, there's no radio stations. There's nobody talking. Yeah. You're not going to hear music. It's usually, uh, it's typically used for the transmission of data, like wireless data. Mm -hmm. And, um, sorry about that. It's and right. um, I, I've always um, hypothesized that the military, maybe even law enforcement, but more specifically, the military could use such frequencies uh, these are the these are the UHF ultra high frequencies that they could use them for communication, and we wouldn't know. <laughs> we 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 would just be clueless to their That's activities. Right. You wouldn't be able so, to eavesdrop. Right. So because I know that there's no music, there's no mm -hmm. radio stations, there's no no discussions of any sort. I am familiar with pattern matching uh, pattern matching algorithms, so I can you know do pattern recognition. And I said, okay, what I'm going to do is is I'm going to assign. Um, you know, audio uh, phonemes, you know, just sounds, just, mm -hmm. just, just typical sounds that can be broken up into little minute little pieces uh, by the thousands. And I'm going to sign, assign each one of them a, uh, a numerical ID, like a 128-bit signature. And I'm going to make them only play if a specific frequency hits a specific signal strength. And by doing that, I walked away with a bunch of strange patterns mm -hmm. that were not natural by any means. So I did discover that something was being communicated uh, uh, at the around in and around the periphery of Area 51, and I would go there quite often using my software, and I knew how to boost uh, um, um, ultra-high frequency uh, scanning uh, for Bluetooth, you know, from 32 feet up to two miles. All right, stand by, stand by, Anthony. We've got to take a break. Exonation, yep. our guest this hour is Anthony Sanchez. His website is www.ufohighway.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Back everyone, Anthony Sanchez is our special guest this hour. His website is ufohighway.com. 
Now, Anthony, before we went to the commercial break, we were talking about how you were able to, uh, using your software, uh, boost a a a Bluetooth. Uh, I'm sorry, a Bluetooth signal signal from what was it, a couple of hundred feet to a couple of miles. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Well, 32 feet to two miles. Um, And there were a couple of occasions where I actually extended it out um, to five miles. So doing that, anyway, so that was the whole reason why I developed that software. I wanted to go to Area 51, and I wanted to see, are there, not just Area 51, I also, (laughs) probably going to get in trouble, but I went to Bill Air Force Base, China Lake, uh, Edwards Air Force Base. Um, I just, I assume that there's UFO technology that exists, that there's going to be rampant, you know, there's going to be rampant activity throughout the the military bases and the various companies that you know work with the militaries, as part of the the, the military industrial complex. Um, so at Area 51, I did pick up strange patterns. Uh, these were uh, many of them were repeating patterns. Um, I did. I they were not. They were not something that alluded to the exchange of data packets. <laughs> this was some sort of communication going on back and forth. And um, they quickly shut that down. Once they realized that I was picking up and recording mm-hmm. these uh, r- these patterns, uh, these audio patterns on the, radio fre- on the UHF radio frequencies, um, subsequent visits, there was nothing on UHF. So I believe that I picked up communication either from aliens or various sectors of uh, alien contingents there at Area 51. Well, wait, wait a sec. Whoa, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down here. Slow down here. What makes you believe that what you had discovered had anything to do with extraterrestrials instead of highly classified data packs that were being used? And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Bluetooth technology actually developed in either Norway or Sweden? Um, right. So the Bluetooth logo, if you look at it, it, it actually, they're... they're um, um, they're they're rune they're runes uh, they're uh, I forget the exact terminology but yeah the, the technology was actually developed um, in Scandinavia right but but the implementation mm-hmm. and the integrated circuitry involved with okay. the the proli- proliferation of Bluetooth across the planet yeah. was out of the Silicon Valley oh okay but, I, all right thanks for for clarifying that uh, because that had uh, been a question but let's right. get to the let's get to the crux of the question that I asked. How do you know this right. is alien technology and not? Well, it's just a guess that you know the patterns that I was picking up. Yeah. Were you know, it, let's say there is an S four facility right there where I was. Okay. Where the hope mm-hmm. was coming from that the communication was coming from that facility. Um, it's strange that every time we went back whether it was in Alamo or Rachel, Nevada, or uh, many of the places, the undisclosed places in between mm-hmm. that we have, you know, uh, made as a part of our, uh, you know, regular visits. Um, the UHF frequencies that we used to pick up yeah. uh, these patterns on, they're gone. They're, they're not being utilized. They're not like the, the first several times we went and uh, made recordings. I have recordings of patterns that are just off the charts. I don't know if they're alien. The The hope is that they are Why? alien uh, so that researchers can look at, the, at these audio patterns and try to decipher what they mean. So, so, uh, so in doing your investigations, you're actually spying on the government? <laughs> illegally, <laughs> illegally, illegally, it's not, it's not, illegally? Well, first of all, first of all, radio frequencies are not illegal. 
um, operating outside the periphery of a military establishment is not illegal. Um, I could be sure? listening to an AM or FM radio station uh, in the very same way that I have, uh, you know, recorded these signal patterns using my software. Most people will say I'm I'm nuts. I'm just picking up nothing. Mm-hmm. So um, why are you so con- why are you so convinced you're picking up something that isn't in the interest of national security? Um, solely because uh, well, you you may be right, Don, because we were shut down quick. Yeah. Um. We were. It's, it's not unlike uh, several other people who went out to um, a Skinwalker Ranch, and all of their radio signals were being jammed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, overtly jammed. There's recordings of this. Um, I'm friends with uh, Sean Stone, who's Oliver Stone's son, mm-hmm. and he had been out to Skinwalker Ranch with Jesse Ventura's son, mm-hmm. and uh, they had an episode of a show that they were doing way back in the day. That uh, I mean, the the radio signals were shut down. Uh, through jamming, uh, the, for all the frequencies being jammed, but and one, that's what's happened. That's what happens now when you try and pick up, you know, patterns or whatever on ultra high frequency out there at Area 51 or Nevada, the stretch of Nevada that we mm-hmm. go to. You, you, it's almost as we're being jammed because we're getting nothing now. Well, let, let me ask you this: You're out there. You're basically trying to interpret signals that weren't meant for you because if they were or i mean any member of the public right i I just didn't mean you and and whoever you go up with there's a reason why the frequencies are scrambled Mm -hmm. doesn't it bother you that you may be doing the exact same thing that the chinese are doing the russians are doing by by trying to eavesdrop by trying to uh, undermine the security measures that Law enforcement at the Wait a second, wait a second. I wasn't finished. And the military are doing in order to protect the country. Mm -hmm. Does does that bother you? Um, it does. First of all, you have to understand something. I'm very patriotic. Um many, many years ago I spoke about the Chinese Mm -hmm. um you know, compromising integrated circuitry. This is on record. There are radio shows of me years ago. Talking about, because I remember I was an engineer working for Intel Corporation, right. uh, NEC, and Hewlett Packard, mm-hmm. and 3Com. Okay. So I have always, you know, been aware of the fact that our integrated circuitry, whether, you know, it's their motherboards or, you know, video cards mm-hmm. or any type of circuitry could be compromised. Right. And, and just this past week, you know, the one thing that I had mentioned years ago finally came to fruition as, as a fact that the Chinese had, in fact, you know, implanted micro, you know, yeah. uh, mi- microchips yeah. onto server boards yeah. that are, have, are affecting major companies like Amazon, Intel, and, uh, you know, various other large companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not, I've never gone out with the intent of trying to usurp the, the, the security of our national defense. I've always gone out with the intent of trying to prove the question of the existence of aliens. If I were to come across some sort of information, transmissions, whether they be electronic mm-hmm. or, or anything, yeah. that um, you know, had to do with the, with the national defense of all of North America, right. uh, I would immediately go to uh, the, the military, the FBI, and let them know what I have found. I would never try to suppress information or make a discovery that would harm uh, national defense or, but, you know, or, but right. how, do, but how do you know the techniques and the methods that you are using 
which apparently have been discovered by the people who are using the transmissions because apparently you were saying that, you know, you pick up nothing these days in certain areas where the, where the chatter was, mm-hmm. was quite frequent. But, but all right, so let, let's, let's, let me just, uh, what's your main purpose? Right. So my main purpose of developing these software technologies mm-hmm. in the beginning, in the very beginning, was for the purpose of, of just that, picking right. up chatter where none was expected. Okay. Trying to trying to prove the existence of facilities like S4 or the Dulce underground facility. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the purpose. But why? That was the sole purpose. Why, why did that need to be proved? Who cares? A lot of people care. Thousands of people care. But a lot it, of people who've been abducted part of my lab programs, but, but you know, hold on here, military hold on here. abduction uh, scenarios, uh, um, those people care. Now, you know for a fact that people have been abducted by the military? Without a doubt. As some of the research that I've done there in Dulce alone mm-hmm. have, has, has presented factual data that the military were conducting a lot of the cattle mutilations that were taking place there. Mm-hmm. And I got that from directly from law enforcement and landowners of the, of the, the ranches in question where this had occurred. Yeah. A friend of mine, uh, Edmund Gomez, whose family owned a ranch there in Dulce, New Mexico for well over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. They had, a, they were a part of the cattle uh, industry and uh, they had to abandon their ranch. Uh, the, the, well, the, well, the business, uh, and move into groceries, the grocery business, uh, because uh, they were just losing too many heads of cattle, and they were finding cattle with phosphorus materials. They had had sightings of military helicopters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, personnel from the military uh, doing things uh, there. You know, in 2016, I attended a conference. I was invited to speak at the uh, at the Dulce UFO Underground Base Conference, right there in Dulce, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and I met up with uh, Linda Moulton Howe. And uh, she and I had a conversation that went well into two o'clock in the morning, into you know, early morning, um, on that ma- on that subject matter alone. And and we, you know, it's it's quite clear, you know, from and this is factual evidence. I'm not I'm not just playing a guessing game here. I actually spoke with law enforcement, and I've seen physical evidence, photographs of. Wait a sec. You no- said you've seen physical evidence. Did you see physical evidence, or did you see photographs? Oh, well, photographic, photographic evidence. That yeah, you I didn't, you I didn't take it. Okay. Physical. Thank you for correcting me. All right, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Nation, Anthony Sanchez is our guest. His website is www.ufohighway.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this news break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to us around the world on the Mutual Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, Simul Radio and Simul TV. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
Anthony Sanchez is our guest this hour, Exonation, www.ufohighway.com. Anthony, why would the military or any of the other federal forces need to covertly mutilate animals? From, from what I understood, what I was being told from law enforcement um, there in Dulce, New Mexico, um, from some of the samples that they had retrieved uh, from the deceased animals, uh, they had picked up, uh, they, they were able to determine that there were poisonous, uh, you know, uh, toxic materials. Okay. Uh, ricin, they, they had found ricin. Right. Uh, in addition to anthrax. Mm-hmm. They think that they were actually using, now this, this is not a UFO, you know, this, this, now when I originally mentioned my labs, I was talking about abducting people. Now the my labs investigations there in Northern New Mexico led into the discovery of mutilated cattle. So okay. there, there can easily, there could be a lot of confusion there. Now there are people that don't believe that the military are abducting people, but there in mm-hmm. New Mexico, they believe that the military are indeed in, uh, you know, abducting people. Well, but the, once again, you know, it's it's nice to come out with these statements that the military is is abducting people. Maybe they're being arrested for trespassing, and you know, with the with the possibility of them being spies, and this is why they're locked up somewhere under under the uh, under certain uh, laws that are out there just for that right. very purpose. So, whether it's a military abduction. If they were abducted by the military or incarcerated by the military because they broke the law, they deserve it. Point blank. Okay. But once again, why would the military need to do covert action in order to test chemicals on cattle instead of just doing it at one of the many facilities that the military has access to? I don't know. I, I've never been able to, to ascertain mm-hmm. an explanation okay. for that specific, you know, uh, you know, inquiry. Okay. I, I don't know. That's a question that I've always asked too. You know, it's like they have these underground facilities. Why mm-hmm. aren't they not, you know, conducting these tests at these underground facilities? Yeah. You know, and to have underground facilities makes total sense. Like it would right. take a moron not to figure out, well, wait a minute, satellite technology, they have everything on the ground, then the satellites can see it. So you move it underground. That, that makes perfect sense. So where does the, where does the abduction of humans by military and the the so-called alien connection with underground bases. How does this all happen? What's the sequence of events that brings people to this conclusion? Well, well, first of all, there's a lot. There's a group of people who claim to have been abducted by the military. Mm. These are survivors of my labs. Uh, you know, military abductions. Uh, the, the, I'm not a part of that community. Okay. Um, I know people from within that community uh, through my research. Right. Um, but there is a large community of people that are out there that claim that this is, uh, there are programs within the government that uh, abduct people for the purpose of experimentation, uh, you know, superhuman, you know, uh, super soldiers, excuse me, super soldiers, right. the development of super soldiers, things like that. I, I, that's not my area of expertise. Okay, what is what is your area? What is what is your area of expertise? Let's get to that. Deep underground military bases, uh, the investigation of deep underground military bases, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> engagement with gray aliens, people who claim to have been abducted, like myself, but or have had experiences with uh, aliens. Um, just so you don't, just so you don't think that I'm crazy and I'm not 
doing my due diligence with regards to understanding of okay. uh, this whole phenomena or have never had information that is of any importance. So let me give you a little bit of history, just real quick, sure. briefly. Um, I was on Jerry Pippen's radio show. This is back in 2011. And uh, I had shared with him, and then I was on Mel Fabregas' radio show just a few weeks later. And with the two of them, I shared information that had been provided to me from one of my sources, uh, who was out of Lockheed Martin Company, mm-hmm. who uh, was telling me about this massive uh, underground facility in China uh, that nobody had known about. It was uh, it emanated from the Chengdu district, extended all the way to the southern waters. And it was this massive facility, and he said that you know, people were going to assume that it was part of the military, but it wasn't. Uh, that it, it was more of like these advanced living facilities, magnetically grounded, uh, electronically, uh, magnetically shielded, and electronically grounded. And I, I, I shared that information, and within a few months, a report came out from from a professor, Philip A. Carver, who was a Pentagon specialist, a, a former analyst at the Pentagon specialist. Um, he had conducted a two-year study with uh, some of his uh, students uh, who, uh, I forget the university, but they had, uh, they had accumulated video evidence, uh, uh, paper trail evidence, and, uh, you know, uh, interviews. Uh, they had proven that there were 3,000 miles of underground uh, of underground facilities uh, by you know in use by the military in China. Well, my source told me that it was more uh, closer to 3,500 miles, and uh, just a small fraction of it had to do with the military. Uh, the majority of it were underground, uh, professional and uh, personal, uh, state of the art you know living quarters, okay, uh, living uh, facilities you know uh, to live in and operate in. Um, Within a week of that report coming out from Philip A. Carver, a congressional hearing was uh, was prompted because of that, and uh, they did a whole you know series of of of, of, of Senate committees and, and congressional committees uh, delving into that, and um, you know they were they were wrong in many aspects of the report. Uh, if we're going to, you know, fall in line with the information that I was provided by through my source, and. Um, it kind of makes sense, you know. Uh, why would a country with the, with vast financial resources construct some sort of, you know, underground living facility? It's funny that at the same time, it's very simple. This, once again, yeah, this, it's a very simple yeah. thing because anything underground cannot be observed observed by satellite technology. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Like this is no big secret. The Canadian right. government has uh, Carp Ontario, where they do the same thing. Uh, you know, we know about certain areas in the United States where there's underground. Uh, right. Facilities. We have, here in the United States, we have uh, Subtropolis, which is a one million square foot, you know, underground facility. But, that one, has but once again, how, how do we connect, how do we connect the extraterrestrials, the the UFOs, and and where where does this information come from? How credible is it? Like in in today's society, information, fl- you know, is fluid. You know, there is so much disinformation out there, especially on the internet especially on the internet because in my opinion the internet is the largest septic tank that mankind has ever created because there's more crap on it and in it than any other source of misinformation in the world right it's um it's a very powerful tool while at the same time being a very deceptive tool right i've always i've always believed that Mm -hmm. um so yeah trusting the information uh, you know, then the information sources is, is something of, uh, 
you know, so, something that's really critical, you know, to trying to establish, you know, ver the truth. You know, and, and you're talking about the two radio shows where, where this, uh, where this China. Um, underground facility was talked about and then how in time the the there was a senate hearing on it and you and you know that is nothing unusual in this industry we get at least 10 requests a year from different government agencies to supply them with the unedited versions of our shows we wow. do that we do that we've got nothing to hide right and but when it comes to, because there are people who are listening who think and believe in their heart of hearts that somebody is doing something or has information that the government should know about because it may affect national security. And as their patriotic duty, they report it. And then the, the wheels are started. And yes, it gets to a senator. It's talked about. It goes to the Pentagon, it's talked about, and, and, and so on and so forth until there's a congressional hearing. Right. You know, you know one thing I'd like to point out yeah. is that in the UFO research community, 99% mm -hmm. of what we uncover mm -hmm. is not, it, it's, there's nothing spectacular there. Right. It has to do with the military. Yeah. It's, it's, we're observing, you know, light patterns in the sky that are from military flares. They're mm -hmm. from, you know, like just, just the other night here in Northern California, you know, my son calls me up, uh, I forget about 930 at night. He said, dad, oh my God. I said, what is it? He goes, did you see that? I'm like, did I see what? He goes, he goes I think it's the aliens. And he was, I heard all his friends freaking out in the background. You know, they're all 18 years old, 18 and 19 years old. And they were freaking out. And, and some of his friends, mm -hmm. by the way, are in the military, a couple are in the air force, one's in the army. And, you know, they were, they were having to get together. And I told them, settle down, settle down. It's the Falcon 9 rocket. This was announced two weeks ago that, that on this very evening, yeah. you know, a lot of people are going to freak out. They may hear sonic booms or they may see strange bright light patterns in the sky for a brief moment. It's the Falcon 9 uh, rocket. And uh, so then, you know, I was able to calm everyone down. But that's typical. Mm -hmm. That's typical of what we get in UFO research. It's, it's that 1%. That one percent that comes from, you know, dark corners of of the information uh, uh, circles. Um, for instance, I I I have worked for over twenty years in the Silicon Valley, and I have worked with multiple people who have come from the from the military and from the military industrial complex, who will not share anything of they do of what they have done, mm -hmm. and that's understandable because. You know, they're beholden to whatever agreements that they have in place, whether it be through private contractors That's right. and the military or solely through the military. Mm -hmm. Now, there are individuals who have approached me over the many years who have come forth and said, we're doing something and it's not right. It's not right. It goes against, you know, uh, it goes against uh, various morals that, you know, could be applied to all of humanity. So one of the big projects that I uncovered was something called Leonid. And at first I was like, well, well you know, this is something that was, it was shared with me and I thought it was a Russian project or something mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, the name Leonid. Sure. And then I was told it's not a name. It's an acronym. It stands for Low Earth Orbit Nanosatellite Interceptor Defense. It is a multifaceted weapon system that is being developed. It's very dangerous. There's a, a, a huge component that is uh, based on artificial intelligence and it has autonomous capabilities. 
And I heard that and I was like, oh my God, they're developing something that could turn against its human operators. That's exactly what they were developing. Now I got approached by uh, off the uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations. All right, hold on. We're going to have to take our final break, so please stand by. Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Anthony Sanchez, and uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Nation Anthony Sanchez is our special guest, and uh, he is the author of an explosive book entitled UFO Highway, and his website is www.ufohighway.com, and he also has another website, uh, let me see where you can, it's his paranormal software at ghosthunterapps.com. All right, so, okay, I, I'm a little confused here because... I could wrap up that last segment. Oh, okay. Really All right. Okay. So, so, and, and, it's, and it's in line with what your thinking is. For instance, so I was given this information about this Project Leonid. Mm, right. And I started to make these discoveries. Um, you know, I was told about the project. Mm -hmm. You know, it talked about these nanosatellites. This is before anyone was even discussing CubeSat satellites. Sure. You were talking about these swarms or constellations of satellites in low Earth orbit and these, these, uh, these drone, uh, you know, low, these drone vehicles that operated, mm -hmm. you know, in low Earth orbit. It just, it's just a crazy idea. And I started to put information out on the Internet about what it was I was researching. I was asking in various circles if anybody had information about it. I ended up uncovering congressional budgetary documentation. And then I was visited by some people who claimed to have been from AFOSI. Uh, it really put a fright into me. I stopped researching it. I really didn't discuss it at that point. Um, I gave whatever I had to Linda Moulton Howe. She has some of the information on her website. And that was the end of it. And that was one of those scenarios where, yes, I was delving into that 1% of the really murky, dark, secret, you know, scary area of UFO research. And the reason why I say UFO mm -hmm. research is because I was being told, apart from the artificial intelligence component and the autonomous factor that there were highly advanced the technologies that were alien in origin that were applied to this project i don't know what they were but i was told that it was unlike anything that anyone has ever seen before so and then i was told that there was a component of this project that was for the purpose of incoming threats not just you know threats from other countries could it could an uh, incoming threat include a, an asteroid or a comet no, they, they, this was uh, alluding more towards an alien threat. So um, it and it's not story, such yeah. a crazy idea. I mean, if you look at Stephen Hawking prior to his death, you know, mm -hmm. you know, he he had surmised that you know there's possible that one day there would be contact with uh, an alien species, and it wouldn't be you know it wouldn't go well for humanity. So anyhow, my point is here is that I I backed away from it. Right. I realized this is dangerous. Mm -hmm. I'm being I'm being spoken to. 
by people in, in, that are very serious and they're not very happy with what I'm researching. Right. So I gave it up. I just gave it up. I, I had a website called projectleonid.com. I obliterated it. I took it off and I did everything in my power to obliterate all facets of that. Mm -hmm. And I walked away from it. You see, this um, is what I was talking about before. When I was saying, you know, like you cross that line, you think that, you know, this information has got to get out there that because it's it's wrong that the government should be doing something so evil as protecting not only the people of the United States, but also in many parts of planet Earth. And if we have the technology, the bad guys also have the technology. So where does, uh, as, as a citizen, I want to know what gives UFO geeks the authority to do something that might endanger my country, my safety, and the safety of those other people who live in this country. What gives you guys the rights? There's no authority. Uh, there's no authority, you know, by any governing body given to any right. UFO so, researcher. But what gives you guys the rights to do this? Like, take up a hobby. Take up knitting. Take up stargazing. Why go what? after? Why go after? Why go after secrets that is are none of your business? Why then? Why? Why? Why question why the the Earth goes around the sun? If, if Galileo had just fallen in line with the with the uh, church at the time, uh, we'd still be thinking that we live on a flat planet. We'd still be thinking that the Earth is at the center of the universe, mm -hmm. that the sun goes around the Earth. Then, you know, the, it's not fair of you to say to the UFO research community, why ask questions? Of course we know that there are various questions, various areas that we are going to possibly overstep a, a boundary that could affect others. And that's when that the individual researcher has to make the intelligent decision and the wise mm -hmm. decision to, to walk away, like I did in that one instance. I said, you know what, this is something bigger than you know, trying to answer the UFO alien phenomena question. Right. There's something bigger at play here that could have an adverse effect on North America. All right. right. You know, whole. we see oh, these pictures. We see these pictures that, that so-called researchers. You know, to me, I call them UFO hillbillies. They go mm -hmm. onto Area 51 where it says blatantly, do not, you know, no trespassing. You know, and then they wonder why, number one, nobody believes them. Number two, why they're, you know, under the microscope of government agencies. And, and you know, they're so blatant, like, oh, look what I did. I violated a U.S., pro you know, a, a U.S. base that says no trespassing, use of, a, you know, deadly force authorized. Like, hello, yeah. don't you guys, I get it. There are things you need to know. And there are things that you don't need to know. And when you start sticking your nose into the area that crosses that line, you're putting a lot of people at risk. Especially I, when I, it goes out all over the Internet and, right. you know, uh, in plain English, I, it pisses I, I, me I, off. I, I feel your concerns. I understand that. And, uh, you know, I have, mm -hmm. I have a... I have a background in technology. I have a degree in engineering. I was born in the Silicon Valley. Yeah. I was programming by the time I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I, this is, you know, for me, I've had these experiences, you know, in my childhood. Yeah. And um, 
I'm not going to have anybody tell me that I didn't experience what I know I experienced. Yeah, well, I, so, yeah, I, I didn't. I, I not well, not one time during this hour did I, you know, did I challenge no, no, your, your you're experience. Saying that's where my interest comes from. And you said, what gives us the authority? None of us have the authority to do anything. But if we don't, you know, step outside of the box and ask questions, we'll never truly know anything about the there world. There are world. things you should know, and there are things you shouldn't know. Why can't you people just understand that? If, if the government wanted you to know everything, so and, and if you know it, the bad guys will know it. You know, they would just put it in a newspaper, put it on a government website. Would that make people happy? Well, let me ask you this question. Sure. How do you feel about former military personnel mm -hmm. going public, um, you know, talking about, you know, uh, rocket systems that were mm -hmm. being manipulated by unknown you know all right this this uh, this uh, this sounds like um that missile silo base story right that's exactly what i'm bringing i up. don't believe what him i don't right? what gives him the right to talk about that? that's right you're ben you are so right you are so right they we're have no right Randall, talking. robert solace all the people that are you know were part of that whole you know uh get, right so what gives them the right? And why why do they get to appear on Larry King, CNN, and have these discussions? And, you know, what makes their information any less credible or noteworthy mm -hmm. than the inf information or the research that, you know, UFO hillbillies like me mm -hmm. are conducting? It's very simple. Do you see the mainstream media paying any attention to UFOs anymore? No. Do you see the mainstream media? Paying attention to alien abduction stories? No. Do you see the mainstream media paying any attention to cattle mutilation cases? No. Because people have said, you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't affect me. And when Larry King was there, he used, Larry, you know, the media goes for ratings. Right. A lot of these reality shows are anything but reality. Because, sensationalism exactly right and it's come I, to, it's come I'm, to the, it's come to the point anthony it's come to the point anthony that people just don't believe and they just don't care but when you cross that line that right. endangers national security that's any any member of the military who comes forward and and talks about their experiences with with extraterrestrials i think they should be arrested thrown in jail and the keys thrown away because they take an oath of secrecy. Mm -hmm. And if they break that oath of secrecy, how do you know they're not just spewing bullshit all over the place? Why do we trust them? Or why do certain people trust anyone? I mean, anyone who takes an oath. You know what it is? You know what it is? I think that, you know, these individuals... Mm -hmm. who have operated in, you know, whether it be a military, a law enforcement, or some sort of professional capacity, mm -hmm. you know, they go about their lives, they're normal people, and then one day, lo and behold, oh my God, it's a, it's a life-transforming event happens to them, and it does transform them. It makes them question everything. I've seen things that make me question everything, and that's why I'm out there. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe we shouldn't be, you know, 
espousing, you know, the research that could compromise, you know, defense systems. Right. Or, absolutely, I agree with you on that. So why do I, it? If I, if I ever felt that my research did that, I would walk away from it, like I did with that Leonid project. I knew it was something above my pay but, grade. But yet, yet, but yet you yourself said that you gave the information to Linda Moulton Howe, who put it on her website. So doesn't that, doesn't that... Well, what? Linda, Linda is a friend of mine. She's a very credible researcher who yeah. I respect. Okay. And I felt that if I was going to divulge this information to anyone within the community, it would be Linda Moulton Hill. All right. We've got to say so long for tonight because right. we've just hey, run out. Exonation, our guest this hour, has been Anthony Sanchez. And um, makes no sense to me why these UFO hillbillies want to destroy, infiltrate, and spread the news of something that may have national security implications. They don't think with this, they think with this. It's a matter of dollars and cents with these people. And in my book, you know what? They have no credibility whatsoever. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.